Hi guys. What's Sorry up? About that. I had a green juice earlier and it just freaking hit my ass. <laughs> uh, you, you okay, Hannah? You need to. Uh, I've been better to be honest. Let's get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to Bundle Buddies. This is a podcast where we play through the H.io bundle for racial justice and equality. My name is Alex Honnett. And my name is Eric Taylor Roth. The H.io bundle for racial justice and equality was launched in June 2020 during the massive outcry for racial justice following George Floyd's murder by police. It has 1,741 items from 840 plus creators, and it raised over $8 million. All proceeds were donated to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, as well as the Community Bail Fund. This is episode 11, and we have played 30 of the 1,365 playable games in the bundle. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, Eric. Hello, Alex. How are you, my good friend? I'm good. I'm alternating between green juice and red wine. So you know what? It's a freaking party over here. Wow. Christmas in your stomach and (laughs) (laughs) diarrhea is invited. Christmas uh, early and it's in my tummy. <laughs> Everyone should stop by. Uh, God, they're putting out the Christmas decorations earlier and earlier every year. Yeah, let's just say that deck the halls. I have diarrhea. <laughs> let's move on. Let's. This episode is exciting. You get so embarrassed about diarrhea. It's it's honestly a problem. Is this a thing that you've noticed about me? I don't know, but I, I, it will be now. And listeners, you hold him accountable also. <laughs> if Eric keeps on getting embarrassed about diarrhea, we have to like fix him. We have to build him back better. I think it's okay to be embarrassed by diarrhea. I don't know. I like imagine you're like you're 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 finding yourself. Imagine you're one of the people whose games is reviewed in this podcast, and we reach out and we say, "Hey, we reviewed your game," and you're like, "Let me check this thing out." And just off the bat, we're talking about mixed green juice, red wine, splattered diarrhea <laughs> all over a bathroom. And I got like, the green oh. apple splatters. <laughs> you're like, "Oh wow! Oh, these two guys! I can't wait to hear their opinions about my video games." I got some horseshoe crabs in my trousers. God. Okay. Let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna drive this Chips one. That's roasting in an open fire. Alex, I crap right down my pants. What have you been playing? <laughs> this, is, this is foolish. I'm gonna take that all that stuff out. <laughs> Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. Okay. What have um, you been playing? What I'm playing. Uh, I actually just bought a new game. I was uh, sort of tempted by the game Hyrule Warriors. Oh. Uh, I've been. I've been playing a lot of um, Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of the pre. This is the prequel, as told through, um, you know, the Warrior series, which is kind of like this these massive battles where you're running around with different people and sort of completing objectives and just like completely wrecking huge waves of enemies. Oh. Um, and I, I thought it would be um, a little different than it is. It's a it's a little more complicated to uh, deliver the attacks and 
you're looking for a lot more patterns. Mm. It's a lot less sort of fluid as, as I was hoping it would be. Uh, fair enough. But I'm still I'm still having fun with it. But it's it was a full price fucking game. I can't remember the last time I bought one <laughs> for like sixty bucks. And like I was like, wow. this will be my big treat for myself for for the month of November. And now yeah. I'm like, ugh, it was it was too much money. I yeah, you don't bought, like, you don't even have a, small games. You don't have a job right now. So, no, but I, I just got one. I, I just oh, really? I just got one. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I I was like I can do this. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I I'm I start back up next week. Oh, that's exciting. We'll talk about that off of the pod. Um, I've been playing um Rocket League, uh, a lot of Rocket League. <laughs> just just playing that Rocket League, having a good time, flying around, uh, hitting the ball while flying. I've been working on. All right, so this it's it's tough when the ball is kind of coming towards your goal from above and you're trying to sort of catch up with it from under. And then you have to try to jump up and deflect it, but you're going like a bad angle for that. So that's what I've been working on. That's my, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like you've gotten better at the game? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not good at it, but I'm better at it. I'm better than, do you feel, do you feel like you're good at it? Just like not compared to the people who are really good at it. Like, can you hold your own? You feel like in matches, or are you just like, no, nah, I fucking. Uh, I'm well, I'm gold two. That's my that's my competitive ranking. So it's sort of go. like I would say beginner intermediate. I can, got it. I can dunk on chumps. Nice. Yeah. As long as you're chump dunking, that must feel nice. Oh man, you're gonna be chump dunking later after all that green juice and red wine. Chestnuts roasting in my tummy now. Okay, let's move on. Uh, yeah. So we one gonna... thing we wanted to talk about quickly. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's 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 talk about it. There was a yeah, a Twitter beef, quote unquote beef. Um, <laughs> like the a couple weeks ago. Twitter beef yeah. ever. The the wonderful interaction that actually unlocked a facet of this podcast for us. Um, <laughs> Basically, developer of Rex Nether Island, uh, Shiresoft, uh, or Shiresarsoft, rather, um, sort of like subtweeted us, kind of not in a bad way, but just sort of like, I heard recently someone say something like, you know, what's the point of doing something if not if you're not going to innovate on it? And I think that there's a lot of value in actually just creating something. And to me, that's enough. You don't have to innovate everything. Well, and it wasn't, and I, it wasn't just creating something. It was specifically video games, right? Yes, like to complete yeah, an actual functional video game is a feat in itself. And I don't, um, I, I was the person who played uh, Rex, another Island, which was the game that they developed. And I think that that was my comment, right? That, it was sort of a platformer that we walked through and I wanted a little bit more out Mm -hmm. of it. Um, And I think in some ways those two ideas aren't necessarily uh, at odds with one another. Uh, And, uh, you know, I think that like um, in putting our podcast out in the world, I also have to be conscious of the fact that, um, in the same way that a game developer should be conscious of the fact that when you put something into the world, uh, you're kind of at the, uh, at the mercy of the opinions of other people. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I wouldn't want my, I wouldn't want my opinions on this to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, but you know, sometimes I, I have a thing that I want from a game and I, uh, yeah. and I, you know, I, I think that, I think game designers should strive for fun and and if you're making a platformer something that's innovative cuz you know personally I grew up at a, at the time when like every, 
every video game was a platform video game, right? Or right. like a side scrolling, you know? And so it's just sort of like, you know, whereas I haven't played maybe a lot of, um, I don't know, other types of games, or like even in this one. Yeah. We- <laughs> Doing a great job of like exemplifying why oh, your yeah. opinion is important. A, a video game expert. I don't no, I, I totally, I totally hear what you're saying. And I, I what I think was really interesting actually is like when I retweeted, that I was like, oh yeah, this is like much closer to what my personal opinion is about video games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I think it's great whenever someone makes something, and that for me is like, you know, the 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 big thing. So I, you know, I, I think it perfectly kind of exemplified the ways in which we are we differ in terms of our opinions and what we've talked about, and has made for some really interesting conversations about games, and is the kind of nice tension at the center of this podcast in a lot of ways. That's a good. Um, point. Yeah, uh, which I I really really liked, and uh, I think when I said that it was like we didn't want to hurt we we really don't want to hurt one's feelings, but ultimately we decided we want to do this because we have other creative friends who are like I just would love the idea of someone I, I would want to know if someone was playing my game or engaging with my creative work in general. Yeah, and um, I think also like I think people you know you and I don't develop games, so we're approaching it purely from the like the user experience casual gamer we're not and we're not even like expert gamers we're just casual casual people but i think like if you've created a game that we've reviewed and we've you know i i think we try to be uh healthy with our criticism constructive sometimes sometimes maybe a little so and maybe i could be better about being a little uh a little saucy but i think like uh you know, yeah, like, man, your takes are too hot. Put them back in the oven. I just like turn off the oven and let it cool down. Like you know, I mean, you made a game, and somebody said that it could be more. There could be another piece of innovation. You can use that as you go on to your next game. You could also say, "Fuck you! I want to make um, a boring piece of shit that nobody wants to play." Damn. <laughs> Which Rex Another Island was not, but we've we've no, played. Rex Island was a very charming game. No, we played a lot. Fun. We played some stinkers. There are, but like they were so <laughs> they were so nice. They were so nice about it. And actually, I think this their comment really unlocked for me. I should stop feeling like weird about this. You know, I, even you saying it right there. The games we review, it's like, oh man, yeah, we're game reviewers on this podcast. We <laughs> review games, and I have never thought about myself that way. I thought of myself as sort of like a game enthusiast who like shares their opinions. But yeah, I, we're reviewing these things, not not like in depth, but we're certainly sharing our opinions about them, and they're not always positive opinions. Yeah. Um, so it's important to remember, and I think people are just pumped that uh, you engage with it at all. And um, I will, you know, stop feeling weird about it if we don't like a game. That's kind of what this did for me. It's just like people want you to want to know. They they want feedback, and it's it's good or bad. It's all feedback, baby. Even though you edited out some uh, some, <laughs> your some of your takes are just too hot, dude. <laughs> Uh, be all right um our guest this week is andrew haywood um andy and i are old friends uh and you'll get a little bit of our backstory uh we've played a lot of a lot a lot a lot of games together he knows a ton about games he's a, a connoisseur uh, a good friend a collector um very knowledgeable yeah, it's a really, really fascinating conversation. And it was cool to see you guys both interact because I think 
you're both very opinionated people and you played off each other a lot. And that was really fun to just kind of sit back and be like, man, these guys are really going in and having a good time and are getting inspired by what each other's saying. So it's, I know. it's a really cool conversation. I definitely felt bad at some point. Cause I was like, Andy and I are talking and I looked over at you and you were just sort of like, <laughs> I don't know. That was, I think that was the conversation we had afterwards where I was just like, yeah, man, I don't even fucking know what the point of anything is. And you're like, Jesus Christ, Alex. <laughs> So I, I had a low energy that day and, and was feeling kind of sad. Um, so I, I don't think it's reflected in this, but that's probably why I'm not engaging as much. So the listener knows um, this week's cause is the all options. Uh, who's your abortion fund? In Andrew's words, Indiana is rife with bogus crisis pregnancy centers that have advertised abortion counseling, but actually just try to redirect women and run out the clock on abortion laws. The all options pregnancy resource center, by contrast, actually provides assistance for all options a pregnant woman might choose. As they say on their website, all our options approach is clear. We provide open-hearted listening and no strings attached services so that you can make the best decision for you. We're here to support you with the results of your pregnancy tests, provide diapers for your little ones, help you pay for abortion care, and connect you with reliable resources and referrals so that you can access the services you need. And that's just for starters. Um, you can find out more about them on Twitter at, at abortion funds or on their website, uh, abortionfunds.org, backspace fund, backspace Hoosier, H-O-O-S-I-E-R, dash abortion, dash fund, backslash. Um, right. And it sounds like All Options Pregnancy Resource Centers uh, is the larger organization and the Hoosier branch is uh, specifically for Indiana where uh, Andy lives, mm -hmm. which is a fucking weird place. And the fact that there's people like this doing good work, I think is really, really important. Absolutely. Super cool. Oh, we donated to them. And if you didn't send proof to bundle buddies, podcast at gmail.com, we'll shout you out on the show. Take advantage of it. We will oh. say your name. We even say a little freaking message if you want. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. We'll say literally anything you ask us to. Anything. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Let's do That's, this. I'll, show. Say, I'll sing it. Yeah, right. here we go. Okay. Oh yeah. Wave of populist loons. Well, we'll find out whether or not that sticks without the kind of. Anyway, this is not what the yeah, podcast. Yeah, this is not let's what this podcast into... is about. Sorry. Let's, <laughs> let's get into the podcast here. Uh, right. We're we Andy. I I have. Uh, Things that I want to, to talk to you about, but who are you? Andrew Haywood, you're a game connoisseur. You're a good friend of mine. We've been buddies for a long time. Who are you? I mean, that, in the context of this podcast, I feel like that pretty much sums it up. Uh, my sole qualification is I am buddies with one of the bundle buddies. So, <laughs> um, since we did amateur theater, Jesus. 15 years ago yeah so andy and i met uh because a friend uh, now a mutual friend of ours but a friend of his um saw me in a play and they wanted uh to do a play in their backyard oh so... my god that's so adorable <laughs> yeah, yeah so... this, this led to holy shit backyard <laughs> yeah four. uh yeah one of them i wrote and eric directed uh, yeah, I, for the listener, my mouth is completely just agape I right mean, now. Well, this is you should have been at the show. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. I mean, uh, yeah, they were super I honestly, fun. I still, I I still them... think that script is like maybe the best thing I've ever written. Oh, yeah. yeah Andy wrote uh, Princess Valiant and her Ethernauts versus 
the forgotten, the forgotten Isle. Isle. Yeah. Oh, that's a, a retro pulp sci-fi fairy tale action <laughs> tragedy in three acts. Truly uh. incredible. <laughs> uh, it was great. There were sword fights. My favorite thing was we choreographed some pretty fun sword yeah, fights. Good fights. And um, then, uh, like the audience was sitting way too close, so like the swords were coming way too close. <laughs> <laughs> Places and very much that could have like turned into something really awful. Oh my God. <laughs> Your dad's gym could have faced some. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but Andrew has an incredible collection of games, of board games, and mm. I'd like to talk uh, before we even get into like video game stuff like that. Where um, where did that kind of start for you? So. Um... My dad was friends and is friends, although at this point in time, I'm actually, like, more friends with this guy, I guess. Uh, than your dad? I, yeah, more friends than I am friends with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, this is all a, a confusing lead-in, but um, my dad was friends with a guy who owned a comic and game store in the suburbs of Chicago. Oh, cool. So, um, Shout out the suburbs. Which one are we talking about? Uh, I can't tell you. I was like eight years old when I was last. Whoa. <laughs> um, mystery suburb. <laughs> yeah, mystery suburb. The the store is called Action Comics and Games. Um, so my dad like uh, played D and D and board games with uh, this guy. So I got introduced to that stuff. Um, I was like, when I was in like first grade, I got called into the principal's office at my uh, Catholic grade school and they like wanted to make sure i knew that like dungeons and dragons wasn't real <laughs> and I was like, are you you're a fucking adult like i know there's no such thing as a lich like <laughs> i i like to read these books because you know i like pictures of like zombies and stuff this is like the tale um, in the satanic panic kind of a thing. yeah i was 100 percent. i mean yeah one of my really good friends uh who lived down the block was like an evangelical christian and his family got all that like focus on the family stuff mm. and i remember like at his house listening to uh an episode of one of these radio dramas where these kids go out in the woods with wooden swords and they hit them against each other and until they, until they can like hear them really ringing and like yes you're doing it and you know they're like invoking satan in their little place sword fights in the woods uh, anyway i love it so, cuz it's like i mean so like the first rpg that i really played was changeling so like you oh, are man. you are fairies <laughs> embodied like who are covered in like uh fairy magic in order to blend in with humans and like the idea that like cuz i mean like uh, like dungeons and dragons is is attractive you know because it's kind of this like joint storytelling right and they were able mm -hmm. to find like these overlays for it but the idea of like a panic around people <laughs> pretending to be fairies in the same way <laughs> is so funny uh i mean god it, it's it's also so like you know i at some point I'm going to be a parent, right? And and there's going to be kind of notions of things that we should be scared about, right? Whatever like the Tide Pod thing is or, you know, like 4chan or me, you know, like there's just going to be something that right. like I obviously have yeah, no context about, right? Mm -hmm. And And I'm going to be, you know, like terrified that my child is into like, you know, like fucking cutting up their clothes into drugs. Snake or, yoga. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
but like the you know when you look at like that 80s stuff where people are terrified of dungeons and dragons it just feels so quaint because you're talking about like the ner- like the nerdiest you know most yeah, like totally. timid and delightful right. thing in the world <laughs> right it's a bunch of people sitting around and playing pretend and also like the crazy thing is that in the context like dungeons and dragons the guy who you know made it like gary gygax he was like an evangelical christian who was like really right wing like mm. to him <laughs> it was i mean i think it was like you know to some extent you know obviously it was mostly about like i want to make stories like you know conan and like yeah Grandmaster yeah and but in part, it was also, you know, like, to him, he saw no problem with that, obviously. Yeah, he wants you to get out of the dungeons. He wants you to fight the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You know, I mean, you know, the Lich Lords are bad. You know, well, not, they I'm... don't exist, Alex. So <laughs> you say. And yet, I I wish I had had a Catholic priest pull me aside and let me know that when I was there. Because <laughs> it would have saved me a lot of time until yeah. just now. And Alex I'm has been trying to, like, like piece his soul apart into various uh, <laughs> items. <laughs> Alex swears My to God face. that he has a jar with a little bit of his soul in it. And if he dies, he will come back to life. And yeah. he tries to convince me of that every time we get drunk together. Yeah. And every time I'm like, you can have a sip of my soul, but it's just my piss. <laughs> and I fall for it. Yeah, every um, time you fall for it. <laughs> but so, Andrew, you had, like, I think that a lot of people, they're kind of like early games are like, or the early board games are like Monopoly and, um, you know, Risk or like things like that. You kind of, you maybe introduced me to some kind of like, of that next level type of game what like what would you say is like your first kind of like board game that sort of fell outside of the milieu of like popular board games i mean man the thing is i kind of sort of from as early as i can remember i was playing like sort of games like that i guess the one i remember earliest is like cosmic encounter what's that uh, it is so that's uh I believe it was originally published in the 70s by a company called Eon, but uh, the version that I had was the version published by Mayfair in, like, the 90s. Uh, it's one of the most influential games probably in, like, gaming history. Uh, Richard Garfield cites it as one of the major influences on Magic the Gathering. Oh, wow. Um, because sort of the premise is um, you're a bunch of... You each are, like, an alien race, and each alien race has a, an ability which is different from everybody. It's like the first like variable player power game. So oh, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like you're like trying to capture bases. It's really a game of with like a lot of negotiation and stuff. Um, and that's like one of the first games that I think really introduced the idea of highly variable powers and stuff like that, which mm. I think have sort of come to dominate a lot of like a lot of games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That that kind of asymmetry is. Uh, really popular these days um and then like okay so what video games are kind of like your early video games would you say or is there kind of like a correlation between board game stuff and video game stuff for you or do they kind of grow in your like childhood life separately that's all yeah it's like a chicken or the egg kind of thing yeah, I think that I had always kind of thought of myself as more of a like analog video, like analog game player. Yeah, and like that's what I did with my friends. But then, like when I listened to the first episode of this podcast and I started thinking about the role of video games in my life, 
I was like, oh my god, video games are huge in my life. Like other <laughs> games also, but in terms of like sheer hours, it's like you know, yeah, I can play three hours of video games a day. I can't actually play. I mean, I don't know if I actually play three hours of video games a day, but it's possible. <laughs> I can't consistently do that with board games just because you need other humans. And right. Like right. And especially in this pandemic, obviously now, uh, you know, most you can't of my play socialization. Very many yeah so what's uh what are what are some of your early uh video game inspirations all right so here's uh here's like a rundown of my video game history and consoles <laughs> okay it went uh sega genesis nice uh which i think you know probably like game i most remember from that is probably like shining force 2 i um, loved yeah. shining force 2 yeah, oh my so god I, so I, mean, I recently replayed it and it's like uh just probably not it's probably not that good anymore, but I enjoyed it so much. And no, also, it's like the battle has just—they've innovated on like battle so much right. now. It feels like very quaint and weird. But and I like, like it. I mean, like yeah, I like the—I like feeling like it's been rare because I think like you can have like sixteen people in your party, and those battles oh, yeah. can get kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, whereas like you're not where to cast your bolt spell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I positioned this guy behind, you know, <laughs> my warrior. Um, but like, I think that like XCOM, which Alex, you and I have played, uh, recently oh, together. Yeah. And I think is the same, you know, it's that same kind of tactics sort of game. I think right. people kind of decided that fewer like agents or whatever you want, like actors in the right. combat is more interesting but i love that shining force was just like nah you know what like <laughs> a million of them <laughs> you know, yeah uh um, six is cool but you know it'd be cooler no. yeah <laughs> uh yeah, um, actually um the original XCOM ufo defense uh that was another big game in my early life um, oh wow oh yeah PC. um but yeah so I'll, get, I'll circle back to the computer stuff because I guess it is sort of. I've always considered it separate, which is sort of silly. I know um, we we're we're not good about that on the podcast. For us, it's just all video games, right? Yeah. In our head. But I think it's also all video games. It's yeah. just that it sort of like has occupied a different sort of role in my life for a mm -hmm. long time. I guess, which doesn't mm -hmm. really make sense, but I don't know. Sometimes I was sitting well, in front I don't of know. A TV. I mean, like sometimes I was sitting in front of a monitor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Even my parents were like a hundred percent totally okay with me in front of a computer playing games, whereas like a console, they were like, uh, uh, uh like we're gonna limit right. this, and like, I, and maybe that also comes down to like you know their '90s panic was like video games are just gonna like rot right. children's brains, and it carried over from like TV is gonna rot children's yeah. brains. But like computers, those things were like right. new That's and exciting. Mm -hmm. You do it on computers. I mean, yeah, but like I probably am better. Like they maybe in some ways were right. Like I am in some ways more competent with the computer than I would have been if I wasn't playing video games on it. I just I remember so much like touch typing was such a big deal for so long. Like you have to know how to touch type. And oh yeah. Like you know. I, the way I learned how to do it best was fucking instant messenger. You know what I mean? Like chatting yeah, yeah. with people. That was the way I ultimately learned how to touch type correctly. Yeah. I wonder if that's still a question. Do people, is there still typing software or do kids just uh, like absorb it through osmosis? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. That's, 
I'm sure that there's typing, so, but I'm sure that it's like my number one game. May the spoken. So I'm, I bet that like typing video games are so much more delightful than the typing video games that we had to play as children or what. Like I remember some early DOS, like oh, yeah. you know, type the word dog, and it would be like do 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 do. And I bet now it's like. Ah, oh, you just leveled up. You're a you're a warrior of typing. We're getting our brain hacked by Duolingo, the Duolingo bird. <laughs> Gamification of everything. Right. Um, okay. Wait. So go ahead. So you Sega Shining Force Two, so incredible Sega game. This is my work friend. Uh, really, really great. I also, oh, um, I don't know. There's some. All right. Uh, after that, uh, N64. Uh, it's probably characterized most by Goldeneye there. Just, uh, Ooh, just endless, yeah. endless Friday nights with my like you know thirteen year old friends shooting each other in the facility. Yeah, would you? Uh, um, did you ban uh, Job? Uh, I don't know if it was an official ban, but just people didn't play as him. I, I don't know. I think that maybe it was a matter of honor. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, think so. I was the Trevelyan man myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and we we would always like we never played actual Goldeneye. I think we always reduced health as low as it could go, so that uh, it was as it was very close to one shot kills. Oh, that's but, funny. But some guns couldn't do it. The club was not powerful enough. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the club was uh, always what a what a trickster because you know you're, you're shooting pretty <laughs> rapidly, but it really yeah, doesn't make any difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Completely worthless. rubber bullet uh, gun. Yep. So I continued my tour de force of successful consoles with the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I think, Power Stone. Uh, or Power oh, that Stone game's 2. great. Yeah. Uh, loved, you know, I, I play a lot of these, uh, you know, couch multiplayer things. Yeah. That's, what's what's uh, Power Stone? It's, it's like, like a, it's an interesting, like, beat em up, but, like, the, the, you're, you're facing off against someone who's nearby, but you're exploring sort of a larger space it's not just sort of your traditional like flat planed like thing you're interacting with the 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 world a lot more it's sort of like yeah. a smash brothers in like yeah 3D. yeah the items drop and there, yeah. there are like there are like telephone pole style things mm-hmm. and like the the lighter characters can like spin around them and like jump and do kicks off of them the big characters just like uproot them and like swing yeah. them like a giant club oh that's fun um it and, was like, a really reason, fun game yeah, the reason it's called Power Stone is there are these three Power Stones, and if you manage to collect them all, you become like a super version of yourself. For a oh, I take it back. Or... That sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> becoming a super version of yourself just reminds me of the normal version of myself that I am. Um, uh, did you? So, were you a big Dreamcast fan? I think you were. I think I know this. I mean, I, I I was an okay Dreamcast fan. I I don't know. Um, is that not... like is that console? Did it? Because it fell flat on its face, right? Like yeah, that's... It was a pretty huge disaster, I think. Is it, uh, was it a disaster because of marketing, or were like the games actually bad? I, the games that I played were good. Uh, no, Jet I Set think Radio. it's... Yeah, it's, um, it's weirdly like a maligned console, but it is... It was, it's really fun. I played... That was where Soul Calibur first came out. Uh-huh. Oh, fun. Soul Calibur was on that, yeah. which is like fucking an awesome game. I remember... So I was in like 6th or 7th grade, and a... Um, a friend of mine, Avi Glandon, his mom at some point was like, Eric, uh, I'm going to get Avi a console. What do you think I should get? And I had a PlayStation. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I think you should get him a Dreamcast. 
because like you know it's like i have the playstation you know he could come over and play these games and we can go over there and play those games and i feel like that was just the worst piece of advice i could ever give somebody (laughs) yeah i was i was still very happy I had a lot of good times uh, on the Dreamcast. Not yeah. a huge library, but uh, had some good ones. Uh, we played a lot of Rainbow Six on it. Um, okay, after Dreamcast, what'd you do? Uh, PS3, PS4. Nice. Never going to have a gaming console again. Yeah, yeah um, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the development. Uh, and ps like even the ps4 it was like kind of towards when i began to realize like gaming consoles are not necessary and what i want to do in the future is just play video games on my computer yeah, all the time. it makes sense i'm i w- w- andy and i talked a little bit before uh, you hopped on eric but just about how you know i'm gonna build a pc at some point i'm sure by the time we get there i'm gonna fucking talk about it non-stop on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime i you know i i'm the games I'm, I'm not playing console games enough like the big triple a titles that like are the reason you get that so it's like super easy to play these things yeah you know to justify that kind of expense i like the switch indie games and then like occasionally we'll dip into one of the big ones but um I do, a pc seems like so much more fun yeah i you know it's funny because i i was talking to camille a second ago uh, about like i was like oh i think i want to you know get a gaming computer and she was like ah. but honestly she would probably be able to use the tv so much more yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it maybe makes sense i know so andy and i and our friends play games together pretty regularly you know in the in the pandemic and you and are a massive drag on i know <laughs> i'm the only one it's like the only games they can play have to be cross compatible with xbox <laughs> and, and admittedly like there are some great ones like rocket oh, yeah. league deep rock galactic these are extraordinary games very happy yeah. to play them it's true but... but yeah even like arc everybody enjoys arc and i'm like i'm on this like console here i don't get it i can't yeah. you know like really i feel like fully explore the the full version of this game right yeah. now uh okay so then what uh if uh you know computer games are sort of separate from your console life what's uh i'd love what, to go through those so, games and then hear like the moment that like you made the switch and like w- w- the specific game that maybe did it for you I, man i don't know if i don't know if there was anything that uh precise but in terms of like general gaming history, I feel like on consoles, my interest was largely in uh, like couch local players, like uh-huh. multiplayer stuff, which I think is like, it's become, I think, I think it's gotten a little bit more in vogue. It's kind of tough to make money with those games, I think. So they're sort right. of like, uh, which ones do you have in one in, in specific? I mean, you know, like, you know, for instance, uh, you know, GoldenEye was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, Power Stone 2 was also local multiplayer. Like a lot of these games, yeah. Rocket League, I first played local. Um, oh really yeah on uh ps3 i think yeah ps3 had mm-hmm. local uh rocket league and, oh, like, man. nba jam uh the uh, remake yeah. of that like just these are you know silly games maybe a lot of people don't think it's worth owning a 400 uh <laughs> gaming <console> to play <laughs> these, but i do um and then on the pc side i think i was kind of i was often more interested in sort of like strategy mm. games so a lot of um uh, you know, Civilization, uh, Master Ooh, of Magic. Yeah. Um, Hanna's a big Civ head. Nature. Civilization. I actually, 
I feel like that was a big part of my life, and there came a point when I realized it's like these things just eat my life. Like, oh I my god, down. Civilization Five. I just I lost about three days to it, it yeah, this past week. That doesn't mean I'm never going to do it again. No, but <laughs> it does but mean it, that it, like I. It really is a very specific headspace to be in, and yeah. for a while, it's the closest I am to like an addict. You know, where I'm like fiending for the time I get to play it again or something. Right, like and you that. can be like just utterly, completely engaged, and just like mm-hmm. there are so many little problems you have to solve, and then you mm-hmm. find out what happened. It's just yeah, it can uh, can dominate you, or at least it can dominate me. And no, I, it can. And I, we love to joke about it and say how fun it is, and ha ha ha. But it's like an actual problem for me. Like I have to be <laughs> yeah. careful with that game. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of games more like that on uh, on PC. Mm-hmm. Um, but then. Oh, let's see, why did I get? Maybe I can find out why I got Steam, because <laughs> that was a mistake <laughs> from a certain perspective. That was a was opening I, a so gate. Pretty much my only experience with Civilization was uh, at one of our board game weekends. Andy, we played, I think, what Civ three or Civ four, the board game, and. I would Wait, say. Are you thinking about through the ages? Yes. No. Okay. Is that what it was? No. Or, I... I mean, in through the ages, we played it in Wisconsin. Yes. Uh, it felt. Yeah. It feels like exactly like Civilization, right? Except yes. it's a board game. Yeah. And I think like if you have never played those games before, you're at such a disadvantage. And I think that like the the like European game style, where it's like, no, we're just nobody gets eliminated. We're just going to stay in this and be here forever. Like, I was still using sticks and stones while you guys were, like, going to space. And <laughs> it's like, I would have loved... You had John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? Did I have John yeah. Lennon? <laughs> it feels like a recurring problem for you, Eric. Your friends are building spaceships and you are using sticks and stones. Yeah, I don't know what it is about these, like, these, uh, like, technology sticks building... Sticks stones, but I just love them. <laughs> I just freaking love these things. I don't know what it is about these, like, technology building games, and it might just be that, like, I never actually got into those types of games, like, and so I just don't really know how to approach them in some ways where i have that like decision paralysis and like you know oh man <laughs> i was like i could remember i think it was like the last day so for the listeners andrew and a couple of our friends and i um for a while now it used to be a biannual thing that we would get together and maybe buy about 16 board games and play through them all in a weekend uh and now it's more of an annual thing or you know every five years or whatever <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um but the, it was like definitely at the end of the weekend you know we had played through a ton of these games i think i was like definitely not in place to win and just like sitting there at the end of a three-day weekend and being like yeah, oh, well, I got John Lennon and Sticks and Stones. This is really <laughs> fucking fun. <laughs> Maybe that that's game. why I don't ever want to play those games. Uh, well, no. well, the game you're describing uh, is incredible by possibly the greatest uh, tabletop board game designer of our era. Vlada <laughs> Fatil. Yeah, I mean, Eric, at that point, you were probably just like, imagine there's no space travel. Just Sticks and Stones, <laughs> you know? Um played that game Codenames, uh, Eric? Yeah, I have played uh, that that's, game. That's by the same guy. Which is oh, like that a, game's so much fun. It's sort of bizarre. Which um, one is that? How does that go? 
there's a grid of 25 words and there's like a clue giver uh there are clue givers on each team and they I like have designated words i mean it's kind of amazing that that guy designed both this super heavy like civilization game and also like this extraordinarily successful mass market uh, party game uh stupid geniuses stupid yeah. freaking geniuses yeah Uh, let's get into these games. Yeah, yeah. Where should we start? So we played uh, some fun games this week, some interesting games. I think we had a nice, again, a nice little cross-section of like the kind of bundle, like the, the possibilities inherent in this like crazy collection of games in the bundle. So why don't we start with, um, let's we'll start with, uh, well, so I was actually able to get fucking... Um, what should and we call it, it? Yeah, and I, I, I got, and yet it moves to work on mine. So uh, I'll I talk was about it. Because, yeah, I okay. didn't even it. try because I read scary forum posts about how it doesn't work on Windows 10. Yeah, so it, it worked on the Mac, uh, uh, my Mac, which is this is honestly, I, I'm just gonna like have a moment of silence to appreciate. This is the first time <laughs> I've been able to play something that Eric hasn't been able to on his PC, and I just <laughs> I feel like a million dollars. The game's fun. It's it's very straightforward uh, platformer based on a conceit that you kind of like at any given time, you can kind of change the direction of like the orientation. And so rocks fall or you fall. And if you fall too far, then you'll die. If you get hit by a rock, you'll get crushed. And and that's kind of it, you know, you, so you're just like figuring out different puzzles and how to orient yourself through it. And uh, for that reason, it's good. The art is cool. It's a, a like fun kind of like hand-drawn paper style. Um, it's not especially gorgeous or anything like that in terms of a game. It's kind of like you're you're walking through like cardboard. I think is sort of what it feels like. Um, uh, and the company that made it uh, is um, Broken Rules, and that's the studio that made Old Man's Journey, which was a very cool game I got at the start of quarantine. Kind of like a beautiful, relaxing, hand painted puzzle game um that i strongly recommend to any folks that they're looking for like just a nice way to while away an evening if you're stressed or something like that um so uh i i check it out this is a play for me um and it's nice that it'll just be a play for the podcast okay fine and i can't your, say your don't play i can't rules. say pass can i say pass no, just... no you can't you, you can't say pass <laughs> actually uh, actually no you can't eric actually i it's a pass for me i couldn't figure out how to play it <laughs> it's a pass it's, it's Busted on fucking Windows 10, so it's a pass for my ass. Um, uh, cool, Andy, that's you, were, nice. you were saying something? Yeah. <laughs> let's. Uh, all right, um, let's talk cool. about so, a game we'll, that we've all played, Alex. Yeah, you're like the dude who <laughs> yeah, invites why don't we start you over. Time. Oh yes, <laughs> right. I I invited uh, my mom bought me a Dreamcast, so now I'm inviting you over to play it. And I have no idea that you made me get it, so I'm just fucking shit talking. My mom buy me a fucking Dreamcast. Uh, Hive time, or as I like to call it, Sim Bees. Whoa, Sim B um... management. Uh, this is by uh, Cheeseness and uh, Mimness, the developer. It's a simulation, a sort of city builder, cute hex-based hive management game. Uh, description. Build a hive, make some honey. Hive time is a bee-themed management base building sim. Harvest resources, grow your hive, and produce a new queen before the current one dies. Manage different bee roles in a totally scientifically accurate depiction of hive dynamics. Send foragers out to find pollen and nectar. Have builders research new cell types and ensure you have enough bee sitters to raise the next generation of bees. 
uh, thoughts. The game kind of opens up and um, you, you've got this like queen set up in her throne room and immediately these like couple worker bees kind of go like go to work and set up this sort of like cells kind of around it. And I think the music like off the top was just like it was like perfect and you know like i think we've talked about music and stuff on this podcast and um like sometimes it's the only saving grace for a game it's just like oh yeah mm-hmm. it's got like good music but this sort of like it set it up kind of in this way and i think also this week um you know this podcast will get released um later you know in a few in a few weeks but this was the week that we sat through the election and the results of the election Mm -hmm. and i did not know that what i needed in the midst of like this anxiety and doom scrolling was just a peaceful naturey game (laughs) yeah you're constructing a beehive and oh man i was so happy to sit in this that's yeah, I, I concur. I think that the just the aesthetics and the vibe really lovely. I like that like when you mouse over a bee, it shows you like stuff about them. One of the <laughs> things it has is what they're carrying. And for the queen, it says her head high. I found that very charming. <laughs> um, yeah, there was. I mean, like so. There was like a Sim Ants game I remember playing right. a little bit of a while ago, and this it had it's reminiscent of that. Um, I think like. Every once in a while, it'll give you like a little pop up of like, you know, a, a bee is kind of going through like something right now. And I think at at the beginning, I was a little annoyed generally with them because I think like the humor was like very pun based and not necessarily like, uh, you know, like illuminating. Right? It's like how many bee puns can you actually really in- endure <laughs> before right. you're like, okay, great, uh, right. but. Like, you know, they're watching Bad Bees 2. <laughs> like, they're not even... They weren't always, like, no, actual no. puns, even. The, the <laughs> Beatles showed up as a band, and all, oh, yeah. my, all my bees became foragers. <laughs> and go out oh, yeah. and meet the Beatles. Um, but, um, but then, I think, as we were playing, as I was playing, I actually came to really appreciate that they were giving you these, that they were like really like spending time to kind of humanize these bees or, um, you know, not humanize them, but like in these sim games, I think the thing that kind of happens for me, especially is like, you get so caught up in the mechanics of it and like how you, and like building like a correct thing that I think that this game actually was very successful in making me feel like, there were like living, breathing entities kind of inside of this hive, right? And it was like, mm. oh, you know, like whenever it was, it would cut, you know, it's like, oh, Don and Julie have like had a falling out and they haven't like actually been able to reconnect with each other about it. Like, even yeah. though like I didn't really care about like actually what was going on, like I did get the feeling over time that like I wasn't just kind of constructing this sort of like, thing that had these uh mechanics and resources that i had to navigate but that actually there was like something kind of else narratively that was going on you know and that i couldn't necessarily you know fully grasp the weight of like 
you know, the interplay of the dynamics between these bees inside of, but like, I felt like I was kind of constructing something that had life inside of it. And that was so satisfying. I think there was, uh, one of these events that I thought was really funny in context, which was as I was getting attacked by wasps and like my bees were getting murdered, this little <laughs> pop-up came up and it was like, Lee is a builder. On weekends, he likes to dress up as a wasp. <laughs> what is going on, Lee? <laughs> that's, really, that's really great. Um, I, but uh, my, my, so my experience of it, uh, the, something about the Mac uh, version, or maybe it was my computer, but there was a lot of like clipping issues. Uh, or like skipping where the bees w- would basically like freeze for a second and then move, you know, sort of all at once. The thing, it, it was running super hot on my computer, which, you know, the, it's it's not, Macs obviously aren't the best for gaming or something like that, but it did make it kind of a bummer because it just meant never, it meant that I could never really relax into it the same way. I was yeah. enjoying sort of the way all the mechanics circled into each other. And there was this beautiful kind of simit like, symmetry of like the math of it where you know the like you would be um some there would be enough bees around your hive and then you look at your settings and it would be like oh you're like too much of one and then you bring it down a little bit or like readjust a little bit and then suddenly like the hive is freaking working it's like humming along and going really really well and that was really fun just to be like oh there is like this weird um, symbiotic system in place here and as long as you're feeding it correctly or like have it humming along it's going to just take care of itself a lot of the time with very little like oversight from you which is I think hard to do and really cool. So I, after saying all these nice things about this game and I did really enjoy it I now have like a lot of pretty negative things to say about this uh, game. You go hard, go hard um, go for it. So amongst them I feel like a game like this it's like an economic snowball and it's a very pure one, where like basically you just accumulate resources so you can more effectively accumulate resources, mm-hmm. repeat forever. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is like it's a very satisfying thing, but also like after I had played this for ninety mi- second or ninety minutes rather, I was done with this. I had like explored everything. Yeah. yeah. And part of the reason of that is that like you know they have like this research tree. And it took me, you know, at the first, like, five things I researched, maybe, it took a long time to gather the resources and do it. Yeah. And then after that, I think I never stopped researching mm-hmm. because it's just like, well, you know, now my hive is just, like, it's doing it, you know? It is going off. I have infinite yeah. resources. It's just how right. fast can I spend them? And it becomes sort of an empty exercise where, like, you know, I, I ended up clicking through all the, the research. I, like, did the thing where I found, you know, I got the mutations for my next queen, just saw what that was like got the yeah. next queen, and I was like, all right, I'm done with this. And then the mutation that I got on the queen, one of them was, like, I, I think it was something where you got, like, less nectar, which hmm. introduces another one of my questions, which is, like, why are pollen and nectar even different resources in this game? <laughs> like, it, it feels is... to me like they're basically, like, left-handed and right-handed money, where it's, like, for everything, <laughs> you need to spend, like, five left-handed and five right-handed dollars, but you need to have, a like, a left-handed bank and a right-handed bank. Yeah. And, like... Well... I think that some of it was like that the game because there were like like rainfall would would like affect how you were generating nectar versus or like how you were collecting nectar versus pollen. Um, Right. Like I suspect there were mechanics, but in practice, just because of how things were balanced, it like didn't matter. I always felt like I did not have enough pollen. 
like I had uh, a, oh, like funny. I had a lot of nectar. I and my pollen was just sort of like less. And I also part of it was that I couldn't figure out how to. It took me a while to get the mechanics of the foragers right with the map room. Like right. I just didn't. It was that still was... kind of unclear to me how that worked. Yeah, I, mean, I still like... did it. I still explored everything and like sent my guys to the flowers. But right, and you could like pollinate. Uh, eventually, I figured out it's like, oh, you can pollinate a thing, and then like. But there was a point where I was like, because the game basically feels like start a hive and figure out how to make six hundred royal jelly. Right, like that is mm -hmm. that is kind of the extent. Right. I thought that was very nice that it actually has like a pretty clear goal that's not like. Soup. I mean, it's like in practice, it is pretty clear how you're supposed to do it. But it's nice that this is a game where it's not just like endlessly economically expand. There is an actual end point of source. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that like, I think that that game in itself was to me satisfying because it was like, at some point I realized my queen was dying and I did not have enough royal honey, right? And royal jelly. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to like get this royal jelly go because like you know like i get caught up in like um you know i think like i played a little bit of uh starcraft growing up and you know like all of my kind of construction sort of ideas are basically just sort of on the fly you know like try and put something wherever right and then like realize afterwards that like I've maybe done this kind of foolishly, right? Like <laughs> I had sort of a collection of like pollen and nectar reserves and wax reserves, but it was all like spotted together. And then I realized, oh, right. wait, like in order to upgrade clusters. these things. Yeah, you need these clusters, mm -hmm. which I think is like kind of fun and interesting. And then I remember, you know, as a kid watching people like professional um, StarCraft players, right? And like how uh, very, um, you know, like, organized everything is and i was like oh okay <laughs> i don't do that um but like that i think it's interesting because i was also dissatisfied after i sort of like seemed to complete the game it didn't seem to have like it seemed like it w the promise was the game could go on forever but there was no point in yeah, no going point. on forever right like right. and so in some ways i I want like a, I want a thing at the end of the end game. That's either like, congratulations, you did it. Like you're a really good bee maker and like, you know, like enjoy your hive, you know, like you won, but like, or a, you know, like what that next kind of thing is. Cause the promise of the game was kind of like, yeah, your queen can have these mutations and these mutations have different mechanics involved. Um, and I think that that's kind of interesting, but I didn't, I didn't need to replay the game, but like have these kind of limitations. Yeah, I just, I just think that the framework of the game is not expressive enough for those differences to truly change how you're playing it. Like no. I looked at what it was going to change. It was like, this might change like the timing of some stuff a little, but the overall like contours of the game will remain unchanged. Yeah. I don't know. And, and um, in some ways I think that that's just sort of like true. I, I can't tell if that's a failing of this game or like the genre of the Sims game is like, that's just sort of what it is, right? Like it, there's no promise of winning or losing. It's just sort of like, did you, were you entertained by the process of building and creating something up top? Right. And I think I was in this. I was also, but I feel like, so to me, I think that kind of both the strength and the weakness of this game is that it is like a very simplistic 
sort of economic simulation where mm -hmm. like you know it's not really capitalism necessarily i guess it's like industrialization or something but sort of like you know no one suffers because of this like the laborers are totally content it's not just uh -huh. environmentally okay it's like environmentally good like right. we rely on bees to survive yeah. Yeah. and it's like it's almost too simplistic in a certain way because you get to a point it's like well we did the thing like what are the wrinkles there are no wrinkles like right yeah we just did the thing and i don't know maybe this is like you know, there are definitely people who would think this is, you know, some kind of like SJW ivory tower intellectual nonsense. But <laughs> what is what is the effect of like this kind of economic simulation on like how people think the world works? Because like as a child, uh -huh. I was exposed to a lot of this stuff. And I think that for a long time, I had this idea of industrialization and of like capitalism as being a very like smooth process that you can just mm -hmm. kind of apply to the world. And it's like, and now we're all wealthier. Um and I don't know. I mean, yeah, like, like, like we were talking about civilization earlier, and I, for most of my life, I think I never really considered all of the many political arguments that are basically like baked into civilization. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like when you build temples, they make people happier. Is that the purpose of religion? <laughs> I don't know. It's a strong claim, Sid Meier. Like, <laughs> I spent no time thinking about that. While I was <laughs> I was That's like, this. I was, yeah, I know, I was so calmed. <laughs> and I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is nice. Yeah, what are your final thoughts? Uh, Alex, let's start I'm, with you. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I uh, didn't have a huge reaction to this game, but I'm a play. It's, it's a fun thing to sink a couple hours into. Uh, you guys are completely right. At a certain point, it just doesn't really... There's, there's no reason to keep on playing it past a certain point, but I really do think the game is, like, gets that, you know? Like... And I had a lot of fun with it. I really do like that feeling of like just tweaking a little bit, and then suddenly the hive is working, and, and it's it's fun, you know. Again, uh, that was a, a that alone makes it a play for me. Nice, Andrew. Um, so for me personally, I would you know, like I said when I looked at this, I felt like I had like a ninety five percent knowledge of what it was, and I think that mm -hmm. was about right. I've played a lot of games of this vague nature for myself it would be a pass yeah but for uh i mean you know games are all very different if this is the kind of experience you're looking for i think it is very competently and charmingly delivered um for some kind of 90 minutes noob to nature <laughs> it's a play <laughs> i think that yeah i it, it's been a while actually since i've played a like sims like game so i think that um it it was nice to like kind of have that sort of refreshing sort of like oh yeah like it's just been a it's been a long time since i played a game like this and so like coming back in it felt like riding a bike in that way and this game is like a very easy version of like a sims-esque thing right like a sim beehive um and so like it is definitely like a you know like easy game uh and if you are a very like sims game you know like even or even like strategy game you know like this might not be this may not be satisfying to you because i haven't played one in a while this was like 
perfect it was very calming it was very relaxing i did not and i think like honestly maybe i really needed an easy game this week like i needed an experience that was like not excessively challenging every once in a while i was like oh no yeah i don't have enough workers i don't have enough foragers i need to like you know adjust to make sure that this thing uh worked correctly um maybe you're right our metaphors about nature are uh toxic because they are you know reifying all the sorts of terrible things about capitalism uh but i think that this game is a play um i really like the idea oh no go ahead go ahead andrew i I was just gonna say like ultimately i found it like it's very pleasant i think the problem is that one of the things that's necessary in a good game is some things need to be kind of unpleasant um i think yeah i mean i think that that's yeah it's funny right like i we've we were talking a little bit last week about like easy mode on games and i think that they're I'm I'm weirdly and maybe it's because we're playing a ton of these games like I'm weirdly at a point in my life where I'm like I want zero obstacles in my games. <laughs> so well, I did I like expensively I did as close as I could to cheating on both of the other games in this uh, <laughs> that we played this week. So I'm with you to some extent. Um, um, let, let's move on to the next game uh that Andrew apparently tried to cheat at. Let's see if he did it. Uh this is Jio Memo Virus uh, from uh, Rotcher and the Fabian Twenty One. It's a card game puzzle simulation game uh, about Corona and COVID. It's also a memory game. There's a narrative element. There. It's about this outbreak and quarantine, and it's turn based. And uh, there's a viral component as well. Um, so it, it's a game written during the COVID nineteen pandemic, telling a sad story of struggle, tenacity, and also hope with some bits of public inconsistencies too. It's a tactile memory game built as a documentary where you follow Dr. Lee and relive the early days of the coronavirus epidemic. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a, this is a weird fucking game, man. <laughs> yeah. So it starts out and it's this sort of, um, you can you kind of like early Nintendo sort of feeling graphically. Um, and it's a memory game where there's cards, right. And, you're trying to pick it's just memory this early thing happened in early you know coronavirus that was like where people really wanted to reflect on it in some ways i think and i think that this is a game that was maybe created before the game designers really knew how absolutely out of control this virus is going to be and so there may be this element here where it's like if there's a thesis about bundle buddies it's that like we all have comfort games that we go to right like in 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 many ways like we we go to video games because they give us something that we (laughs) like they're comforting even if they're even if they're challenging right or Mm -hmm. or they're fun and oh my god i yeah the idea of like honestly what i want in my life right now is anything to distract me from this thing that is staring me in my face and that is coronavirus, right? That is this like horrible, terrible disease that is like ravaging the world and that we may not ever get rid of, right? That we may just have corona like coronavirus is just like going like to be around. Thousands of people of die a year. Yeah. And that would be how it goes. And so like the 
you know, like I, I giving these people the benefit of the doubt, I would say they would not create this game right now, right? You know, like we, this bundle is an interesting artifact in that it was, you know, released. I like. I was kind of shocked that this was a COVID game because some part of my mind had like somehow segregated like COVID and Black Lives Matter, even though obviously like. You know, I like went to a march wearing a mask like these totally. things were at the same time. But history all happening at the same time was kind of surprising to me when I like remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, because I don't. When was this game made? Like, this when game, was it? It's, it's, it's February, released. late yeah. February, early March. All right. So, so early, yeah, so early on. They really had no idea. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, there, there's the like... hydroxychloroquine reference. Uh. Um, there's. So yeah, so Alex, did you actually play very much of this game? I played a little bit. I um the way it teaches you feels kind of clunky to be totally honest where Oh, uh, the rules are inscrutable. Yeah, the, the, and and I think to me that's what bothered me more than anything else. I I actually there I I didn't find it charming the way that they, there is are sort of these incongruities about they're talking them talking about something so seriously, so lighthearted. And the actual game in it and like the way it explains the moment, like so, you have to. You're so if we really break it down, like you're a doctor who's curing the disease by matching the correct colors of people who uh, know each other from an office. You're kind of like contact tracing almost to try to like catch the thing before it spreads. You know, like so that's the idea. Is like there's two people who live together and they're the same color. One's in the office, one's at home. So you track the one in the office down, and you find that one, then you click on the home one, and then you match it up so you stop the virus from spreading anymore. And meanwhile, uh, the virus is spreading through other people, potentially, on there. That you also, And once the virus spreads to one of them, you can't match it up anymore. And so it eliminates sort of that piece from the um, you know, board. But that's not actually a very good metaphor for yeah. how this works <laughs> right this is not a ludo narrative like conceit that works no so so it, that that to me is is more like the actual game itself it's not unfun like it, it's not great but like you can play it and it's like you're kind of like oh okay cool I, I get this i see what's going on it's like a memory game with this sort of weird conceit and then you put this other con construct over it and you're like that's weird and not <laughs> wild yeah and, and not very good but i still uh, you know short of like racism and uh denying the holocaust you know i i'm willing to give games like this a, a, like a lot of leeway and this comes like right up to the line of that you know what i mean like we're, I mean, we're... it just mostly totally. feels like ham-handed and like yeah foolish Why? to me more you yeah know, like it's tone you're, you're not trying to stop a virus but just you're doing it by like applying a child's game to a, a very serious problem which has killed you know very you know killed tons of people and it's yeah also it's like i don't like separately from that I don't know why I would if I'm making a game why would I make it memory right like that it's yeah, like well, got to be one of my least favorite games ever <laughs> is like I mean I will I will say memory is an excellent drinking game if you are like, <laughs> deep with your friends you should play memory it will surprise and delight you I, um, I yeah okay sure but also I think that memory 
I hate it. Right. I like, well, and, and I think there's also that like weird, like if we're just talking about the game memory, I think that there is, it triggers something in me that is like early childhood. I need to prove that I'm smart. Kind of like, there's like some weird kind of like early. Yeah, well, if you like, need to prove that you're smart with memory, don't play memory against kids. <laughs> <laughs> they will dominate you. Um, uh, I like, uh, it's, why why that game like it could have like i probably would have given this game so much more leeway if they had mapped any other video game or if it was like a, if it was the well, conceit that you enjoyed if it was crazy <laughs> it's, right like if it was just like it's just uno <laughs> the, the thing is i so i cheated basically in that like i just eliminated the memory element i like kept exclusive i kept notes on the ones where it was random i just took screenshots of the ones where you had to remember <laughs> stuff. And the thing is, if you get rid of the memory element, the game that's left is actually not bad. Like, huh. it's not very good either, but it's kind of like Minesweeper. Mm. Like, it has, like, the same kind of thing where, you know, you, See, you, I like you take calculated risks. Well, there are, and there are some other frustrating design decisions, because they introduced this later thing where there are these QR codes. Did you get to these? I saw the QR codes, yeah. So, so like... Initially, you've got two backs to the cards. You've got the people backs and the house backs, and every person matches a house. Yeah. But then they introduce these QR codes so that you can – there are actually subsets within those. What's frustrating is in other levels, they did that with colors, and colors work totally fine. But instead now, you have to like click on – you have to like hover over the thing and click on it, and it shows you which ones they are. So it's essentially like it just is colors, but it forces you to go through this extra step of clicking on it. This was a stupid design, <laughs> but the fact that it adds like more uh, more ways of like eliminating things and more ways of matching means that it actually like as a game mechanic, it sort of produces. There are, there are like choices you can make, little gambles. Um, it's also I think the memory is especially frustrating because it feels like in memory, if you always remember where things are, you should win. But in this game, you can remember where everything is. Like, take some random guess at the end of the game and just immediately lose. Yeah. Like, you can have, you can have, you can know almost everything. You can have like 12 tiles left and you accidentally fuck up once and it's like, oh, you can't win anymore. <laughs> like, no, you are mathematically eliminated. Yeah. Um, so it's like super swingy at the end. Yeah, and then uh, I'm just looking at some notes for this. There's a part later on where it talks about racism and it's like, what, what's the exact quote? Saying all Asiatics look the same, well, I say they all look the same. And this is, like, ludonarratively represented by having, like, well, here are a bunch of differently shaded and colored green shapes, and here are a bunch of differently shaded and colored red shapes. And again, it just feels like you're just using, like, such childish metaphors to discuss, like, real issues, and it... Yeah. I, I a conversation it just, it about feels like race a from, like, Reagan's America or something like that. Uh, right, but also like a four-year-old in Reagan. I don't yeah. know. It's just <laughs> like my understanding about race during Reagan's America. When I was <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, in other countries they say we all look the same, but they are wrong. They look the same to me, and it, I don't know. It just all feels facile. Well, um, I think that let's not dwell on it too much longer. Uh, for me, this is actually <laughs> this is actually a play because I love I, I love some weird games. Just check it out. Give it give it a little poke around for a second. I haven't played anything else like this in the bundle, and I don't know if we will play another one like it. Uh, I I'm gonna be just absolutely opposed. This is absolutely a pass. I 
It's funny, this is sort of like opposite of Hive Time. The only person I can imagine wanting to play this game is someone who has played so many games. <laughs> they want to see, like, the weird edge cases. Uh, That's so Again, a general pass, but if you want to see what a memory game themed around coronavirus could be like, then I guess play. It's not quite a hate play, but it to me it's like, wow, what is this I mean, thing? It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like Klaus Nomi's music or something like that, where it's like you want to, you probably want to see what this is about, I guess. And then that's probably um, all you got to do. Which brings us to our final game, Cycle Twenty Eight uh, by Pillbug Interactive and No Dice. Um, this is an action shooter uh, with elements of arcade, bullet hell, uh, fast-paced retro shooting up space, and it's a top-down shooter. It was nominated for best game at the BAFTA uh, CYMRU. I think it's. Uh, I'm not going to be able to speak it because uh, 2019 because it's Welsh. It's the uh, BAFTA Welsh distinction uh, of the British Academy of Film and Television Arts. So this is a Welsh game that was very well received. Um, it's a fast-paced space shooter with screen-shaking explosions and a mystery at its heart. First, you think it's an arcade game, simple controls, powerful upgrades, and intense dogfights, but you'll be living the same day over and over trying to find out who the enemy are and what they want. Um, I yeah, will so start really quickly about this game. The Mac build has a game-breaking bug. Uh, if you die, you just continue to explode constantly. Um, <laughs> and there's just nothing you can do about it. So I, I started to play this game and then was enjoying myself quite a bit, died, and then was like, is this on purpose? Like, like am I supposed to keep on exploding like this over and over and over again? So I let the timer go all the way down. Uh, oh, you that's know, so funny. and was just Weird. like, it, like, are we gonna be doing something now? And then I was like, oh no, this is broken. Like the game is broken. So when you die, you just sit there. Yeah, I mean, you're huh. not even sitting there. You just continually like explode through space <laughs> over and over again as people shoot you. And I was just like, oh, okay, like something's gonna happen from this, you know? Because of that thing in my brain, I've been so poisoned that I'm like, oh, what's this bizarre mechanical <laughs> choice, you know, in this game? <laughs> Um, you know, what are well, we learning you know, about you gotta, game playing, yeah. you know, by them doing this? And then I'm like, oh, no, this thing is broken. Uh, so uh, I, I honestly uh, don't have a, a ton to say about it outside of that. I, I couldn't play it past there. So I'm going to actually like take myself out of the conversation and making it a pair, player pass. What I, I played, I liked, but I, I couldn't get past a certain point. Yeah, so it's sort of it's like an asteroids uh, type game where you're you're a, it's like top down you're flying around uh you're shooting and then you die and there's like a little hint of um whatever and then you kind of go and do it again and you can get uh level ups and power ups um like that what do you think about the game andy um so this one i i went through sort of a i mean i, I, I had a lot of thoughts about all these games i guess i went through uh several phases of this so like you know a game like this you could describe you could use the exact same words to describe multiple games and some of them could be really good and some of them could be terrible like <laughs> this is inherently kind of a difficult thing to talk about because so much of it is like does it feel good to fly around and like i don't think that i have the vocabulary other than like yes it feels good but i think it does feel pretty good to fly around mm -hmm. in this game yeah um and i think it feels pretty good to shoot stuff um it has like the unlock mechanism is i think very stupidly designed um so you unlock by hitting personal best and very early on 
I somehow hit a high score, which I never surpassed. Like I, I unlocked three power-ups. I had a high score of like 4,500 or something. I'm not very good at this game. I don't know how I did that. I was never able to do it again. So once I understood that that's how the unlock worked, I went and I found the save dad and I deleted it and I started over and I played 10 games where I first scored two points and then five points and then like eight points and so forth, uh-huh. which was a really boring and stupid process to unlock everything. <laughs> and you might say like, Andy, why did you put yourself through this? And I would argue I did not put myself through this. The mechanics forced me to put yeah. myself through this. <laughs> it was the game's fault. <laughs> um, so, you know, from a perspective of what kind of play that design choice encourages, I think that it is not good. Yeah, I so it's funny, Andy, you introduced me to Outer Wilds, which I which is a game where the um in the game you're you're in a a time loop, right? Like there's there's a loop that kind of happens. And and there's an interesting thing where as we play through these video games, there's this kind of um postmodern need some game designers have for um you know like coming up with a really deep um kind of like explanation for why uh you know a a video game's mechanics kind of are what they are right like so this like in this game you know you die and then like you come back and there's this kind of like you know code that's like telling you some kind of mystery that's being like unveiled no spoilers i'm gonna play this game so never i i never um, i i couldn't tell you what that mystery actually I, is. I should also tell you okay so did you find the door no so this game it's like i started off thinking it was just like oh this game is purely about like it's just like an arcade game like they said you start off thinking it's an arcade game that's what uh-huh. i thought you run around shooting stuff yeah. And then I was like, what happens if I just keep flying in a direction? Well, what happens is there, are, there's like a, a wall surrounding the whole thing. And when you get close to it, you say, what the? And then if you circle around to one place, there's part of it that's colored a different color. And you say something like, um, this must be a door. That means I'm not trapped just in time, but also in space. Uh-huh. So then I was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. And... Um, I was having, if you play long enough, you end up getting, like, hunted by what I think is yourself. Um, okay. And that, that killed me a bunch of times. And I eventually, I was like, all right, my new strategy is I'm just never, I'm going to, like, never shoot. Because when you're shooting, you don't heal. The game doesn't really explain that, but it's true. Huh. Um, and I'm just going to fly around. And it turns out if you never shoot, the enemies will never shoot at you. And nothing can hurt you. Okay. So then I was like, what is, is this game? And I, I actually thought that was really cool. I was like, is this game like some kind of like statement about war? Like, uh-huh. which a lot of games try to be, but that one is, I think, kind of interesting actually, where it's like, wow, was I the aggressor the whole time? I just didn't realize it because like I'm playing a video game. I believe the purpose of video games is to like go eliminate enemies. Maybe like I brought that myself. Um, so then I tried to figure out like, is there some way like, will this door open when the cycle is over? And no. So then I like looked online to figure out what was going on. And then I got really mad because it turns out there's, like, some ARG business. Like, if you go to their Discord, there are people, like, looking at, like, pages of books of poetry trying to find clues. So I can't spoil this story for you, Alex, because in order for you to experience this story, you need to, like, engage with some, like, body of work beyond the context of the game. There are, like, apparently encrypted messages, like, 
Oh, I don't know. Weird. I, so what I like, I thought it was really cool at first, and then I was like, "This is fucking bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> like, I have no like. I think the idea of like finding this out within the context of this game is kind of cool. The idea of them being like, "Oh, we made this shooter, but you simpletons, you absolute fools!" It actually contains like this deep, complicated puzzle you need to spend your lives solving. I just, I don't at the and it. at the end of it, they'll all be dead on the island, anyways. So, yeah, <laughs> it won't matter what the books they referenced were. I yeah, I mean, like, so so then, like, how do you you know how do you actually look at this game? And in some ways, you need to look at it as just like a version of asteroids, right? Like the game that they actually created is this like version of asteroids, which is like entertain entertaining enough but as i was playing it i was like you know what like if we're talking about like atari era games i really wish that this was pong like like asteroids i think is maybe one of the most i like the top down i've talked about like the top down battle mechanic i think like it's really delightful that that mechanic is largely disappeared from contemporary video games because i find it to be really unintuitive and like asteroids is maybe one of my least favorite of that like genre of game just because i'm not i i don't like it i'm not i i don't know what it is and <laughs> well, i mean i think what's interesting is like so the difference between Asteroids and a lot of other games like this is of control scheme, basically. Where a lot of games like this, they're kind of bullet hell-esque, like twin-stick shooters. You move around with like the left stick, that just directly controls the movement. So if you move the stick up, your ship moves up. If you move it down, your ship moves down. Sure. Um, whereas in this game, you know, you have a thrust and turn buttons. Yeah. And I think that that's interesting. I mean, it creates a much different feeling. But I think part of the problems is that... Um, I, you know, part of it is I'm just not very good at this game. But in this game, the I felt like we were zoomed in so close that it was oftentimes very hard to actually avoid things. Yeah. Um, sure. The times when it felt like I had most control over, like, will I get hit or not, were basically when, like, I was moving parallel to the enemy. And, like, the shots were kind of traveling in the same rough direction I was at, all, at like, roughly the same speed. And you kind of move amongst them sort of like cars and traffic or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there was part of me that wondered whether this game would be better if it were, like, more directed. If it were, like, you were being chased rather huh. than, like, you're just in a big field. Um, yeah. And I also, think... when you get near the walls, it zooms out a lot. And so for a while, I was like, maybe maybe what you're supposed to do in this game is get near the walls so that you can just see things when they're coming at you. Because there are, like, these steamroller things that just yeah. spawn and come yeah. out of nowhere and just, like, just, like crush dominate. You. Yeah, just crush you. And it's like, if you're near the walls, it zooms out enough that you can see them. But you also have a wall that you'll die if you crash into. Um, <laughs> I, I, basically, I, I felt like it should have been zoomed out more. There, um, there's a, there's a, it, there is an interesting thing, and I think a satisfying element of um, scale in this like because you have little drones that you're sort of shooting off from you and, and like the tiny drones aspect of it is maybe like it's most innovative and this is me talking about it not having not fully explored the the sort of crying of lot 49 aspect <laughs> yeah. of it which i think which you know maybe 
19-year-old Eric would have been really into. But I think, like, you know, like, 30-something Eric is like, nah. I think the world is is very baffling and, and <laughs> enough to consume. Um, but I think that, like, this element where, like, things are tiny, kind of shooting off these tiny drones, and that is separate from, like, the, the you know, vector of shooting at each other kind of element into it. I think that there is something cool about that. I... Yeah, there there were moments of this game where like yeah, where there were like swarms of like these murmurations of my drones yeah. versus their drones and like darting yeah. between the stuff. When it felt really cool, and, like the music was neat, and then usually like a minute later, I was dead because something killed me from off screen. And yeah, the, probably um, I was not playing the well. space combat. I did enjoy before the game broke on me. Like I uh, just the idea of there being a longer, bigger like cargo ship kind of thing that's moving slowly through space. I just really enjoyed like engaging with that from like a space combo combat standpoint where you're this like sort of small nimble thing that's like darting all over the place and you're fighting against this big big fella. I like that. I so there was a game I really don't remember the name of the game so this is not helpful but um it had this start like asteroids esque it was like this in the in that it was asteroids esque but what you were doing was you started as just a square and everything that you killed, the pieces of the spaceship mm -hmm. broke apart and you could drag and you were slowly building your ship out to be this kind of bigger and bigger ship. And to me, that was so fun and so delightful and so innovative. And it felt like taking this sort of like the building blocks of the original work and making it into a more interesting game that I wanted to continue playing. And this game, it, it was, it did not have that element to it that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like this was a bad game necessarily but there was nothing about me playing this game other than that like you know that like weird impulse that we all have where we want to you know beat you you know we, we as soon you like you you get that kind of addictive quality that arcade games kind of have where it's like the you feel like you kind of get the rules of this game and there's not really it's just sort of like, oh, can I actually make it through this world a little bit better and a little bit better every time? Um, beyond that, this game didn't have an, a, anything exciting. You know, I poetry offline, like I don't know. Does I do? Why? <laughs> I mean, that's right. The other thing, and I felt this about uh, GIU Memo Virus or whatever as well, which is just like. There's a lot of text that this game showed me that I just disregarded. Yeah. And, like, that's not really the game designer's fault, I guess. But also, like, you need to know that if this is a game about shooting stuff and you show me, like, text at the beginning of it, I'm going to be way more interested in the shooting stuff than I am in this text. And similarly, yeah. in, like, in Xiaoyu Memo Virus, sometimes when you, like, match things, they would say something. And it's, like, the last fucking thing I want when I'm trying to remember where, like, eight colored shapes are <laughs> is, like, a text bubble popping up that I need to think about. Like, no thanks. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. This goes to I mean, show how terrible our American education system is, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get distracted so easily. In France, that's not the case. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, so, final thoughts for this game. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm weirdly I'm weirdly teetering. I'm like if you like uh asteroids, this game will will delight you, right? Like there's power-ups, you get your spaceship is going to be good at, you know, 
you're going to start out and you're going to be like a pea shooter. And then at some point you're going to be able to shoot in all directions. And that's fun. Power ups are cool. I don't know. I, but to me, it's a, it, to me, it's a pass. And I, I mean, I don't really like asteroid style games. Um, and uh, if you're not innovating on it in a way that is <laughs> exterior than going to discord and digging through old tomes of poetry. Like I, you know, like to me, there's an idea in there that I, that I truly love, but it, it, it has no connection to an asteroid style remake. So if you're not, this is, you a- know what, if you're not bringing home the honey, then get out of the hive. That's what Eric said. <laughs> Like imagine finding out that Hive Mind has some weird, like off, <laughs> you know, cute, like actually. Oh, you didn't realize that's actually about Aleister Crowley style mysticism, right? Yeah, yeah. it's like I understand. you really cannot truly appreciate this game unless you go to like Aztec temples. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's me. I maybe have a surface level kind of understanding of this game, uh, so maybe there's something more to it that I don't that I don't get, but this is a pass for me. Andrew? Um, for me, I uh, I think that in terms of just the actual like pleasure of playing this game, well, I mean, Hive Time was very pleasurable, but you know, this is kind of a flow state sort of thing. I found this fun to play. Um, I'm probably never going to play it again, but I'm going to say it's a play because I really want someone to make a wiki of all this stuff and not just have it on a discord that I can't even process, like scrolling through and trying to figure out what's been going on over the past like six months of people <laughs> figuring this out. Like I would like to just read a wiki that tells me what this game is about. Yeah. So someone play this. Play. <laughs> well, you can play this on Nintendo switch too. So it's, it's out there available. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll pick it up on there. It's only seven bucks on the switch and that way I can, I can get yeah. through it. So I'll see you guys on the wiki. <laughs> uh, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to be on Bundle Buddies. It was, uh, oh, it was wonderful it was to have you here. My pleasure. I'm glad I was able to finally bundle bully Eric into uh, having me on. <laughs> <laughs> you got bundle bullied, folks. Yeah, Andrew, Andrew has been wanting to be a guest since the inception of this podcast. Well, well, pretty much we'll just. Have, we'll have you back. I think you're definitely one of the more, uh, like, like you've definitely played a lot more games than most of our guests. I, I've spent my time wisely on this. <laughs> um, is there anything uh, we? I know we talked about this briefly before. Anything you want to plug anywhere? Like folks can find a project you're working on online or anything like that. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna be in this podcast. It's called Bundle Buddies. I'm gonna have to talk to my friend Eric. I think it's episode nine, ten. I don't know. <laughs> That was great. Thank oh, you, Andy. That was incredible. Alex, I think you, we're really good at this. Uh, for every season, turn, turn, turn. Now, that's an even worse one than Hachi Machi. <laughs> oh, you're trying to. Okay. Do, sorry. You took a swing and you missed, my friend. Uh, hey, man, we all whiff. And that's the kind of constructive criticism that we offer at Bundle Buddies. Is... <laughs> we all whiff, baby. We all whiff, baby. Um. Uh, our guest next week is amazing. It's Tim Lyons, a uh, comedian, gamer, and uh, really fun guy to have around. I really oh, yeah. enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, uh, he's, a, he's a fantastic fella. 
Um, he's got a podcast called Improv is Dead. If you like improv and you haven't been able to see it in a while, this is a chance to see or to listen to really good improv uh, that's been modified over a podcast. It's fantastic. So go listen to that right away. I'll plug in a bunch in the next week's episode too. But if that sounds interesting. Check it out. Um, let's pick out the games. Okie dokie. I cannot wait. Game name number one, Bumper Boss from Geometric, an action game. Uh, the Death of the Corpse Wizard, another action game from Feature Creeps. Super Hexagon, our third action game from Terry Cavanaugh. And then Nine Lives of Nim, uh, a visual novel RPG from Sky Bear Games of New Zealand. Ooh, that's very exciting. This is great. Very, very exciting. Um, I can't wait. Please join us next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Give give thanks and don't travel anywhere if you can help it, please. Oh, sweet God. What a fucking mess of a world we live in. Uh, track us down on the web at bundle underscores buddies on Twitter. Um, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. All right. Goodbye. I love you. Love you. Bundle Buddies is produced by Alex Honnett and Eric Roth. Our theme song is Neo Shiki by Roll Music. Email bundlebuddiespodcast at gmail to say hi. Wow. Wow.